is maybe just for me, but I bet it's for y'all too. And the message is undercover boss. The pastor has been talking about uh, uh, an undercover boss. And the undercover boss is normally uh, a big CEO that goes down from the great big, you know, offices downtown. And they've usually got problems all out somewhere. And the undercover boss goes down to analyze and try to correct for the, for, the, for the problems that's out there. And God is our CEO. And when he looks down, I think that he probably sees quite a bit of problems that may be down here. Uh, Google says that about 30% or so of the people uh, in the United States go to church but that is all of them. That's the Buddhist, and that's the Muslims, and that is, is everything. And there was a Christian survey <clears throat> that was taken, and where they would go in and get the get the uh, people on roll in the in a church or in the Christian churches, and then get the population of the town to try to get an idea of about how many people were actually going that was serving Jesus. And it was only about five to seven percent. It's pretty small. Uh, <clears throat> it doesn't take, you know, a, a guy with a PhD to analyze the situation. When God wants a hundred percent and he's getting five, uh, there's, there's a problem there. And one other problem is that there's almost 6,500 people that die every hour. And uh, <clears throat> those are lost customers. Not all of them are, are going, to, going to heaven and not all of them are going to hell, but a large portion of them are going to the wrong place. And so, <clears throat> hypothetically, if, if God talked with Jesus and said, hey, you know, we got problems down here. How about you going down as an undercover boss and going and going into the churches? What do you think that that church would be like? What would he want to change? And what would he teach? Since the church is actually failing to reach when uh, the disciples, uh, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the the disciples went out and they won almost the whole known world into Christianity. It was amazing. And now we're setting at, hmm, what, five, maybe 10%. That's pretty, pretty small. Uh, I live pretty close to Texas Motor Speedway. And on race weekend, man, there are campers like you would not believe. Thousands of them looks like, and maybe more than that. I don't know. And everybody comes out to have a good time and watch the races and, and so forth. And, you know, there's two kinds of people that, that go, to, go to the races. One of them is the spectators just to watch and see what's going on. And the other group is the one just driving the car. It's actually doing the race. 
And I think that in, in the churches, we have a lot of people that are spectators. And, you know, Jesus said in uh, James 1.22, he said, Be ye doers of the word, and not just hearers of the word. And there's lots of people that, that Jesus would have to deal with. This is, this is one group. But another group is the people that say, you know, I really don't need to go to church. You know, and I come, you know, once in a while. But I don't really need to come to church. You know, I had a little little car, and the engine quit on it, or it had lots of trouble. It's going to take an overhaul or a new engine in it. And I didn't think it was worth the effort to, uh, to put a new engine in it or to work on it. So I parked it behind the hangar, and it was there during the winter and up through the spring until just a few days ago. And I had a, <clears throat> did a sort of a little deal with, with another guy that wanted it. And so he came with a truck. He tied a chain onto it, and he pulled it away. And you know what? All the way around this little old car, the grass was green, green, green. But where the sun did not shine, it was dead. There was nothing there. There was no sprig of green. There was nothing. And if our lives get away from God, to where God's light does not shine on our lives and fill us with his power, you know, our lives will die too. <laughs> and it, it's sort of like a car. You know what the characteristics of a car are, or the nature of the car, is to sit in the parking lot. That's its nature. But when you go get in it and crank it up, and uh, you add the power to it, then you overcome its nature, and you go forth. The car goes forth, and everything is great. But if the engine dies, what's going to happen? It's going to roll to a stop and return back to its nature. You know, God, God through the precious blood of Jesus has indeed washed our sins away. We are free and clear of, of sin. The only problem is it didn't take away the sin nature. We still have the sin nature. And it still takes, it still takes the power of God in our lives to go with God, to, st to stand the, 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 run the race, as Jesse says. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to run. It takes the power of God to do that because if you get out away from God, uh, you're going to revert back to the old nature and this these are some of the people that you know Jesus would have to deal with and then what would Jesus teach if he was in in church I think the main thing that he would teach would be faith because the Bible says you know in Hebrews eleven six, it says without faith it is impossible to please God and Jesus would definitely want the church to please God. 
But, you know, if, if Jesus sent out a questionnaire and said, what is faith? I wonder how many people would get it right. Most people would say, what is faith? Well, it's believing in God, of course. And when that paper come back, Jesus put a goose egg on it, be zero. That's, that's, that's not it. Because in James 2.19, it says that you believe in one God. Well, that's, that, that's pretty good. But the devils also believe in one God and tremble. So this is not the kind of faith that God is interested in, is just, you know, believing that there is, is a God. And in James 2.20, the very next verse, it says, uh, Faith without works is dead. So, <clears throat> faith is not a noun or a something. Faith is an active verb. It is a way of life. Because the Bible says what? In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, we walk by faith and not by sight. I think one of the, one of the stories in the Bible that Jesus might use to bring this out <clears throat> would be the story of Elijah found in uh, 1 Kings 17. In 16, 17, and 18, there, it's all in there, but the basic story of Elijah. And it is an amazing story. This, this came along when uh, King Ahab was king over Israel. And he was married to, I guess, uh, Satan's sister, which was Jezebel. And both of them were very evil. The Bible says that Ahab did more to anger God than all of the kings before him. But you know, God still had, was trying to have mercy on Ahab. Ahab and Jezebel, they, they worshiped Baal. As a matter of fact, Jezebel had 400 elite priests of Baal that ate at her table. So she was sort of in with Baal quite a bit. And did you know that Baal is still worshiped today? It's hid, it's hid in the Masons. The Masons start off when, when you first go in, you know, they, they speak about Jesus and they speak about a variety of different things. They may sing some songs and so forth. But as you progress up in the Mason level, you've got to put your hand on the Koran and basically denounce Jesus and say Satan is your God. And it's, it is the worship of Baal and some of the emblems that, that, that they wear on the aprons and so forth. So, so Baal is still, is still present, you know, today. But God wanted to have a little bit of mercy on Ahab. And so he sent Elijah over there to, to get an audience with the king and he said he told the king that there's not going to be any rain and there's not going to be any dew for three years 
And that is until I say that there's going to be rain and dew. And so he left. And God told him to leave town, go east out to the uh, brook Cherith, and stay there. You can drink out of the brook, and we'll have the ravens come and feed you. And he stayed out there for a long, long time until the brook sort of dried up. And, man, I don't know. They said there wasn't any cell service out there. There wasn't, any, there wasn't anything out there. He couldn't even watch reruns of I Love Lucy. There was nothing to do. And I'm one of the guys that I've got to have something to do. I just, you know, if I don't have anything to do, I just pull my hair out. Looks like I've got a little, been working on that a little myself here. Uh, but but uh, he stayed there, and I know in his mind, he was thinking, this brook is drying up. I need to do something. I need to go somewhere. I need to make a decision. Uh, what am I supposed to do? But he did not. He stayed right there until God, the word of the Lord came to him. He said, you need to go to Zarephath. And there's a lady there that's going to provide for you. And so immediately, he stayed, he, he moved and went, went to Zarephath. And when he got there, the lady was, there was a lady that was gathering wood to uh, build a fire. And, and he asked her for a drink of water. And she gave him a drink of water. And he says, and bring me a little cake and put it in my hand. And the lady says, we only have this little teeny bit of meal in the barrel and just a teeny bit of oil. She says, I have enough to bake one cake. And I'm going to bake it, and my son is going to eat it, and I'm going to eat it, and then we're going to die. And so uh, Elijah says, well, bake that cake and bring it to me first. And I know she was thinking, boy, you talk about a scam. Man, the last bite of, last bite of food in, in everywhere, and this stranger comes up and wants you to give it to him. But she did. She brought him the little cake. And guess what? When she got back, there was meal there for her to make more cakes. And, and that, that sustained them throughout the whole rest of the time until the three years was up. And when the three years was up and the Lord was ready to move, once again, he, he came and, and told Elijah, he goes, okay, it's time to go to, the, go to the king and talk with him. And so Elijah left immediately and he got an audience with, uh, uh, with Ahab and uh, <clears throat> Ahab says, I remember you. <laughs> You're the one that, that has stopped all, all of the rain. And Elijah says, no way. It is Jehovah God that, it, that stopped all of the rain because you would not serve him. And there was a little conflict there about Baal was, king, Baal was God and Jehovah was God. And so Elijah said, okay, let's just have a little, little contest here. Uh, let's build an altar, and let's see which God will bring down fire from heaven. 
And Ahab said, yeah, it's a good idea. We'll just do that. And it went all over the land that they were going to do this, build an altar. And people from all over the place came to watch this big event because they wasn't watching any food growing because it was so dry, there wasn't any rain. And so <clears throat> Baal, the 400 priest, elite priest that was, that was with uh, uh, eating at uh, Jezebel's table, and there was 450 more priests that came out. So there's 850 priests that built this altar, put the bullock on it, but there's only one Elijah. Nobody was standing with him. And a false prophet that's shown is killed. And so, man, he's, he depended totally on God. <clears throat> and so they, they all got out there, fixed the altar, and uh, they prayed and prayed. Baal's, Baal followers prayed and prayed. All the priests prayed all through the morning Till, till after the afternoon. And they even, it says in the Bible that, that they jumped on the altar. In other words, they got up on the altar and was going to sacrifice themselves for Baal if Baal would just bring down fire from heaven. And they cut themselves and they were bleeding. They really had conviction that Baal was God. But they were just wrong. And so finally it come Elijah's time. <clears throat> he says, and Elijah took 12 stones and he put it, put them right there next to the altar. <clears throat> this is God's signature of the 12 tribes right there. That's a signal. And he says, okay, now let's pour some water on it. So they poured water on it and soaked it. And then Elijah backed off and he prayed, and the fire came down so strong till it not only lit the altar, it totally disintegrated the altar. It stirred up the dust around. The fire was so, so intense coming from, from heaven. When, when Elijah prayed, and the people says, hey, Jehovah is God. Baal is not God. And so they killed, they killed all of the prophets of Baal. And then Elijah went over to uh, the king, and he says, I smell the abundance of rain. And so this was at, at Mount, Mount Carmel. So Elijah went up Mount, Mount Carmel to the top where they could look over on the other, the other side, and he bent down and he was praying and he sent his servant out six times. Do you see anything? No, don't see anything. But on the seventh time, he came back and says, you know, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah, yes. And he run down and he went up to Ahab and he says, we've got to get back to town. It is going to come a gully washer. And you would think that Elijah was an old man with a long beard and a, and a cane, you know, and walking around and sort of slow. But, you know, it was 27 miles right there from, from where they, Mount Carmel back into town. 
And Elijah outrun all of the horses and chariots of the king. And he made it back into town before everybody else did. And boy, it, and it come a gully washer. But did Ahab and Jezebel change? I mean, they were shown who God was. They were shown everything. They didn't, they didn't change. It made Jezebel really, really mad. And so she sent a messenger over to Elijah. And she said, this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. But you know what? He wasn't. 24 days later, he wasn't dead. And did you know that I believe that Elijah is alive today right now because God took him up into heaven as, as a man. And along with uh, 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 what was Enoch, Enoch was taken up. And I believe that these, these are the two men that are the witnesses in Revelations 11. And this is after, after Satan basically takes over and uh, consider, talks, says that he is God, that God brings these, brings these two witnesses down and they witness in the street that Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God. They witnessed for many days that Jehovah is God. And it really ticked off uh, the Antichrist and all of the followers. And so they went and had them killed. And they just left their body in the street for three days. And on the third day, God opened up heaven and He says... Come on up. And they got up. And they had um, TV. You know, we got, we got TV through the satellites. We can, anywhere in the world, you know, we can, get, we can get pictures. And I believe worldwide that this was on TV. That they saw these, these men up from the dead, rise from the dead. And God calling them up into heaven. And as soon as they were in, in heaven, there came some earthquakes and some bad stuff was happening here on this earth. And many people, even in the last days, turned to Jesus Christ because Elijah followed God and did what he, did what he says. Now Ahab, <clears throat> he was not Ahab the Arab, the sheik of the burning sand or anything like that. But the country was overthrown. Ahab was killed. And Jezebel was running down the street to get away from the army coming. And it says the dogs attacked her and pulled her apart just, and, and killed her. There's so many things that, that are in this, this story. In the flesh... Elijah could have said, <clears throat> you know, I am supposed to witness. I am supposed to carry the news. And he could have went out and instead of going to uh, the brook, Cherith, he could have said, you know, I really need to stay here and I need to witness to all these people. That was man's. That, that, that could have been man's. 
But you know, in 1 Corinthians 4.20, it says the kingdom of God is not in words, but the kingdom of God is in power. And when he did what he was supposed to do and followed God to the letter, when he spoke and had the fire come from heaven, many people believed in him. You know, you can argue with people, you can tell them any, anything, and they may not believe it. You know, you can get in, a, get in a full argument. But when the power of God comes in, it changes things. It is, it's the power of God because the kingdom of God is, is in power. It is not in words. And... Psalms 37, 23, it says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. We are supposed to follow, follow him. Do you think the miracles that Jesus did, did he do them as God or did he do them as man? No answers, okay. Jesus did the miracles as a man, not as God. There's a reason for that. And if you read over in uh, Genesis 1.28, that after God created everything, and everything was in order, he came to man and told him that he had dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, and everything, man has the dominion over everything down here. That's why Jesus had to come as a man, so he would have dominion over Satan. He would have dominion over everything here. God does not have dominion over it because he gave it up. Now, the rent's going to be going to come up. If you rent out a house to somebody, they have dominion over that house. You can't, even though it's your house, you can't take a key, open the door, and walk in on that family anytime you want to. That family has, has dominion. And we have dominion here. And that's why God wants us to walk with Him. And as we, He needs us for the dominion over the situation, and we need Him for the power. To create it. And as we yield ourselves unto God, then God will fill us with the Holy Spirit. He'll fill us with the power. And it's going to take this to win the world. Words is not going to do it. Man's ideas are not going to do it. Because God has already got the plan. Okay? You don't have to come up with a, with a plan. All you got to do is just do what God tells you to do. And rely on His power. In other words, if God tells you to go lay hands on, that, on somebody, you can expect them to get healed. If God tells you to do it, the anointing is there, you have the authority to speak it, and God has the power to do it. And it is... It is one of the things that God is, is calling us to do. In 
2 Chronicles 16.9, it says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose hearts is perfect towards him. He's looking. He's looking for somebody. He's looking for us to yield ourselves to him. To come up from not going to church all the way up just to having a party in, in church and not doing anything all the way up to being led of the Spirit. And this is where we need to go. And I think that this is what Jesus would be teaching. And you know what? Jesus is here right now. He's on stage with me right now. And He can speak to your heart. He can tell you what you need to do. There's several angels here. I wish that, I wish that they, they would appear. It would, be, it would be really, really great. Man, I'd love to see that. But Jesus is, is here. And he's, he's asking each of us to come on up. Don't do any more than what He asks. Don't come up with your own ideas. Just do what He says do. And let Him take care of, of everything. Because His power is beyond what we can even think of. At His, at his spoken word, the earth and the universe were created. And He definitely has the power. But on this earth, it is the authority that we have. And it's God that's wanting to work through us to change this world. Time is short. Time is short. And we need to get our hearts and our minds right with God and walk in the Spirit. And walk in the Spirit. You don't have to worry about anything. God is there. God protected Elijah through this whole ordeal. And he's still protecting him. And he's, protect, he'll, he's protecting us. God is so good. I wish I could tell you how good God is. But words do not explain how good God is. But as, as we yield ourselves to him, not only are we increasing God's children, but our reward's in heaven. And we're going to, we live here for a real short period of time, but in heaven we're going to be there for all eternity. And we need this, we need this treasure chest in heaven built up. And I hope that each of us can walk in the Spirit. Give God the glory. Because the glory belongs to Him. And the power is, is His. Let's all stand. Is there anybody here that has not accepted Jesus as their Savior? If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life... Come right down here, right now. We can take care of that. It's just a matter of confessing it. Just like getting married, you just say, I do.
and, and you're married. If, you're, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, now is your time to go from the pits of hell to the splendor of heaven. What a wonderful choice to make. You'll never, you'll never regret it. We're going to open the altars. And you need to come down and talk with God. See what, see what he'd have you to do. I don't have an answer for your, your life. I don't know. But God has a plan. He has the answer. So the altars are open. Just come on, come on down and, and speak with God. Speak with God. Come on down.